0: to the Word for Today featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel movement. This radio program is a verse by verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of the Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a certainty of God's promise as we pick up in Exodus chapter 6 verse 6. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Wherefore God said, "Say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you. First of all, I am, and then I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will... Take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage, for I am the Lord." So he started out by saying, I am, and then he threw in all these I wills, and he comes back to, I am. Now, a promise is usually just as good as the person making it. (laughs) And there are some people who have made many promises, but I don't put much stock into it. When I was just a little guy, there was a knock at the front door, my parents went, and this guy introduced himself as, as our cousin Pringle, some relative of my dad's. And they came in, oh, this is your family, Charles. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And he kissed all of his kids. And he looked at me very sternly and he said, now, son, don't smoke. (laughs) And if you don't smoke until you're 21, I'll give you a gold watch. I thought that was sort of a funny thing for him to say because he was smoking. I didn't smoke until I was 21. In fact, I haven't smoked yet, but I've never seen him again. So I've got a gold watch promise to me that I've never seen because I've never seen that cousin Pringle again. So there are some promises that you just can't put much stock in. But I'll tell you, when God begins to Promise, and he begins them by saying, hey, look, I am the Lord, and I will, and I will. And there are seven I wills there of God. What God will do for his people. And because the history of the children of Israel is typical history, and it typifies the child of God coming out of bondage through the Red Sea baptism." into a new relationship of faith with God in the wilderness and on in through the death to the old life and the old self into the land of promise, a life of richness and fullness. We can take these I wills of God to Israel and we can apply them to our own lives as God is promising, I will deliver you from the heavy burdens. I will rid you from the bondage of your flesh and of that old life. And I will redeem you and take you for a people. And I will be to you a God. And I will bring you into the fullness of that which I have promised. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel these words of the Lord, but they hearken not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for the cruel bondage. They at this point were so discouraged because of the things the Egyptians were laying upon them, even when Moses came with these glorious promises and declarations of God, the people just couldn't believe it. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in and speak unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel haven't listened to me. How then will Pharaoh hear, who am of uncircumcised lips? Moses Hey, God, now look. You told me to tell the children of Israel, I told them they didn't listen to me. Now you're telling me to tell Pharaoh, if they didn't listen to me, what do you think Her- the Pharaoh is going to do? He's to listen to me. So Moses is still dragging his heels at the call of God, at the commission of God upon his life. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, and he gave them a charge unto the children of Israel and unto Pharaoh the king of Egypt, To bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Now, at this point, there is inserted a little genealogy of the first three sons of Jacob. And with Reuben and Simeon, his first two sons, it lists just the names of the sons of Reuben and Simeon as they are in Genesis. When it lists then the names of the sons of Levi, it goes on then to name the grandsons and the great-grandsons in order that we might have a genealogy that will bring us down to Moses and Aaron. So Amron, verse 20, took him Jacobeb, his father's sister, to wife, and she bare him Aaron and Moses. And these are the years of the life of Amram. He was 137 years old. Now, verse 26. Now, these are that Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are they which spake to Pharaoh the king of Egypt to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are that Moses and Aaron. So you have a little genealogy to bring you to Moses and Aaron, just sort of inserted here into chapter 6 so you know where they came from. And it came to pass on the day when the Lord spake unto Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spake unto Moses saying, I am the Lord. Speak thou unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say unto thee. And Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How shall the Pharaoh hearken unto me? So, That's just sort of a little throwback to verses 12 and 13. He threw in the genealogy, and then he sort of recaps the story to bring you up to chapter 7. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Now, it is important that we point out to you at this point that we are going to be reading now, here God says, I'm going to harden the heart of Pharaoh. And on cases, we're going to read, and God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. And then God cracked his skull for having a hard heart. Now, is that fair? That God would harden a man's heart and harden a man's heart and then wipe him out because he has a hard heart? And so, if we don't understand a little bit of the Hebrew language, we could come into real difficulty here in the understanding of God and the ways of God. Is God really fair? Now, to me, that would be very unfair to harden a guy's heart and then to whip him because he has a hard heart. There are two Hebrew words that are employed now in our text, but they are both translated hardened as we go through. You're going to read in the text where Pharaoh hardened his heart and then where God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. But there are two different Hebrew words employed. It's important that you know that because this word here in verse 3 literally means will make stiff or stiffen the heart of Pharaoh where the other Hebrew word means hardened in the sense of hardened as we think of it. So Pharaoh hardened his heart, and God strengthened Pharaoh in that position. Now, God will let you set your course. And oftentimes, he'll strengthen you in that course that you have set. This he did with Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart against God. God strengthened his position. All right, you want to harden your heart against me? I'll strengthen your position in order that I might magnify my power throughout the whole earth. But Pharaoh had that free choice to begin with. He exercised that choice in hardening his heart against God and then God firmed up his decision. It's a tragic thing when God firms up our decisions many times unless the decision is the right decision and then it's great that God firms up our decision. But God so often operates this way, making firm your decision. That's a blessing to me because I was so weak when I first made my right decisions for the Lord, but the Lord strengthened my decision. And God made me strong in my position. God, in a sense, hardened my heart. That is, He made strong or stiffen the position that I have made in committing my life to Him. Strengthen my resolves. Even as God will strengthen yours as you submit your life to Him, He'll give you that strength for commitment. But if you exercise your will against God and if you harden your heart against God, then it would be a tragic thing for God to stiffen you in that position. But that's what he did for the Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart. God made stiff or strengthened the position that Pharaoh had taken. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth my armies and my people and my children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. Now, you see, God is, is speaking by foreknowledge. He knew what Pharaoh was going to do. He knew the decision that Pharaoh was going to make. God strengthened the Pharaoh in his position. Actually, it would almost have to because all of this guy went through and, and still he's saying, no, you can't go. Man, he had to be the most stubborn, foolish person in history. Allowed Egypt to be wiped out because God stiffened his heart. Made it strong in the position he had taken against God and against the people of God. But God knew that the Pharaoh wasn't going to let them go. But that's just foreknowledge. You can't blame God for that. You can't fault God for that. If he knows what's going to happen, you can't say, oh, well, God isn't fair because he knows what's going to happen. He can't help that he knows it. (laughs) He's just God. So God deals from this advantage of foreknowledge, but it would be stupid to have foreknowledge and not to use it to your advantage. Think of what you could do if you had foreknowledge, like God has. Now, if you went to the racetrack and you had foreknowledge of which horse was going to win, wouldn't it be sort of stupid to bet on the losing horse? That's dumb. If you have the foreknowledge, you know which horse is going to win. You naturally are going to bet on the winning horse. Now, God having foreknowledge, know who's going to win. Wouldn't it be sort of foolish for God to invest in the losers? Of course, it would. You can't blame God. Because he knows in advance what's going to be. The beautiful thing to me is that God's invested in me. He's invested in you. What does it mean? It means you're a winner. The fact that God is working in your life, he knows what he has planned for you, and it means you're on the winning side. God has chosen you. That shouldn't scare you, that should cause your heart to rejoice. So here with the Pharaoh, God knew what he's going to do. He's going to harden his. He's not going to listen to you. He's not going to hearken unto what you have to say. In order that I might really lay my hand upon them and bring my people out. And the Egyptians shall know, and this is the purpose, in order that the Egyptians, and later on, that all the world may know, but that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among you. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, and so they did. And Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 years old, so Moses was the kid brother. When they spake unto Pharaoh, and the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle, for you then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it will become a serpent. So when you stand in before Pharaoh and he says, Oh, then show me a miracle, just have Aaron throw the rod down and it will become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh And they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast his rod before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did like manner with their enchantments, for they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. God got the best of it, for Aaron's rod swallowed up the other rods. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart that he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Now, it is interesting to me that the magicians of Pharaoh were able to duplicate the feet of Aaron and Moses. There are powers of darkness that are able to counterfeit the work of God. Satan is a great counterfeiter. And just because a particular situation has sort of an aura of miraculous, I can't understand it, does not ensure that that is actually a legitimate work of God. Satan is able to counterfeit much of God's work and often does counterfeit much of God's work. One of the things that is to mark the Antichrist is the tremendous ability that he'll have to work miracles and signs and wonders in the eyes of the people. He'll be able to do miraculous feats. Now we are told concerning Satan that he is able to transform himself into an angel of light in order to deceive and he is able to counterfeit the work of God in order to deceive people. Now, because Satan is able to counterfeit the work of God, should we then just say, well, I want nothing to do with miracles because Satan can counterfeit miracles? Notice that a counterfeit never disproves the genuine, but only the opposite. You cannot have a counterfeit unless there is a genuine. It's got to be a counterfeit of something. It's a counterfeit of the genuine article. And the counterfeit then never disproves the genuine, only affirms the genuine to exist. And so if people tell you, well, there are counterfeit gifts. Yes, that is no doubt true but that doesn't disprove the genuine gifts of God. It only affirms the genuine gifts of God. But how do I know whether or not I'm going to get a counterfeit gift or a genuine gift from God? Well, if that is a concern to you, then you first of all need to just get your relationship with God right and your concepts of God right. For if you think that when you have your heart open to God and you are really seeking God with all your heart, He's going to lay some counterfeit gift on you, then you do not know nor are you serving the same God that I know and serve. Do you think that your Father is going to give you a stone when you ask for bread? Oh, Lord, I'm hungry. I need a fish. Uh, here. Try this scorpion on. (laughs) What kind of a father is that? That's not my loving heavenly father. Even so, if I come to him with an open heart and say, Oh, God, I need you and I desire your fullness in my life, it would be blasphemous to think that God would allow Satan to move in with some kind of a counterfeit experience. My heart is genuinely, sincerely open to God. What kind of a father would he be? So Jesus said, How much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask?
0: Them? We'll return with more of our verse by verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 6-7 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: God bless you. Fill you with His love, with the power of His Spirit, And may you be obedient to his commission as you go into your world and declare his gospel to those around you by your life that you live and by the opportunities he gives for you to speak. May the Lord make it a very profitable week to you spiritually as you grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Through the course of the years, you, our radio listeners, have provided us with valuable feedback as to what has impacted you the most, or what has moved you spiritually in your walk with God.
1: So it's with great pleasure that The Word for Today is pleased to offer you a collection of all-time favorites entitled Pastor Chuck Smith's Most Requested Bible Studies. These messages were selected from thousands of studies that were recorded live at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa over the past 40 years. They represent the very best Bible studies by Pastor Chuck Smith. Every message is dynamic and filled with rich insights as Pastor Chuck expounds upon relevant issues on a variety of topics related to the Christian faith. This series will strengthen and inspire you to diligently study the Word of God and apply it to your life. You can order a copy of Pastor Chuck's most requested Bible studies available on MP3 by calling The Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.